Inverse Genius 55, Fortnightly to Boldly Go. In this episode, Don is joined by Chris Bell and Truman to talk about various border-expanding things that are interesting to them. Hey, did you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs and we truly appreciate it. Thanks. And welcome to an, another amazing episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly, the show where we bring our friends on who are excited about those things and have them tell them about you. Wait, not the things <laughs> to tell them about you. Have our friends tell you about the things that they're excited about. Trust me, this will all make sense shortly. Um, I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me wildly wandering the internet as Walsfio. And today I am here with my Inverse Genius Games and Schools and Libraries co-host, Chris Bell. And uh, Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Just got back from vacation, feeling good. You are still only locatable on the internet through gamer tags and stuff, right? That's true. All righty then. Um, and um, in this wonderful episode brought to you by Pipes Have Burst at our library, <laughs> and so we're killing time during the day, uh, our wonderful IT guy himself, Mr. Truman. Hello. I don't know if you want to give your last name, so I did uh, Truman wins, doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> uh, so I've known Truman for, since 2008. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, he is very, very helpful here around the library and elsewhere in the county when they get to drag him out. But uh, So we're all of a variety of geeky persuasions here today. Before we get too much into things going to throw back at some of the stuff that we've talked about before um and what i've got a question for everybody chris what is your favorite spicy chicken sandwich huh i am disappointed to say it's chick-fil-a <laughs> spicy chicken sandwich oh i have uh, so i don't go to chick-fil-a anymore it, it is my worst of, of the top top five or ten and yet everywhere else i go it's they're bad. I did, McDonald's sauce-covered abomination. Um, okay. All right. Yes. Whatever, oh, look, to be fair, McDonald's is bottom of the rung on everything. It is. Whatever Bojangles is doing. Their new one is really good. <laughs> if you haven't tried the new Bow, I don't know if I've had the newest one. But the one they had before was pretty awful. KFC is wings. Do they have a hot sandwich? They pretend to. Oh, it's chicken tenders. It's spicy tenders or something. It's basically there. tenders on a bun. Right. All right. But anyway. yeah, it, okay. okay. I, I am slightly biased in the fact that um, they also have the easiest one to eat in the car when you're driving, and that's where I do a lot of my eating because <laughs> I have long commutes. Mm-hmm. Truman, do you have a favorite spicy chicken sandwich? I, I am. I am equally ashamed to say that Chick Fil A has, in my opinion, the best chicken spicy chicken sandwich yeah. on the market right now. I may just cut this. <laughs> I'm ashamed of both y'all. Yeah. Uh, their, their spicy chicken sandwich is horrible. Chick-fil-A? Well, okay. It's moderate. It's it's at the top of the not horrible list, or bottom of the not horrible list. All right. And what's the top of your list? Well, if you listen to last week's episode, you'd know. Oh, no. All right. So it, it has I'm to I'm sorry. Either... I was busy working at work. Oh, <laughs> no, you weren't. You were. You were. Someplace we'll talk about soon, I'm sure. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, so uh, we actually 
had a, a previous episode where we talked about just the favorite chicken sandwich, and that person did not like spicy chicken sandwiches. Yeah, that's fair. And so I'm conducting an informal poll every time somebody comes on to find out what their favorite spicy one is because um, the other ones were so bland and horrible. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so right now it's either a Bojangles or Popeye's. Um, you know, and then the uh, the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich has traditionally been good, but I understand it's gone down lately. Okay, so now I can say, first off, mm. I trade the Popeyes one. I don't know if I got a bad one. Not a fan. Not a fan. No, me either. Um, well, if you got the wrong sauce on it, because they put a sauce on it too. Second thing, yes. I do have to make a small correction. Yes. Chick Fil A's no pickles because pickles are an abomination. Then how can you eat anything from chicken from Chick Fil A? Because you know how they. Marin- yes, I know, but that's the reason the seasoning from the spicy chicken sandwich is fine. Because Pickled chicken. <laughs> All right. Nice. Well, I'm learning. <laughs> well, I knew this already, but I'm sure Truman's learning more about you than he ever wanted to. Mm. But uh, yeah, mm. and, but I actually, if we're going non fast food. There's a place here called the Local that did an amazing buffalo chicken sandwich that was really good. I, but not talking fast food, uh, most grilled chicken sandwiches from a lot of like um, roadhouse type restaurants, yeah. amazing. But that sounds like a different segment. It does. Uh, okay. <laughs> Another thing is this is not the thing I am talking about this week, but I did see both Dune and uh, The Eternals, I think, since we last mm-hmm. talked. Uh, Dune gets what Academy Award for Best Ornithopter. So we'll leave it at that. I think <laughs> yeah. the rest of it was pretty good. Uh, and I really liked The Eternals. I understand you saw it, Chris. And poor Truman hasn't been to the movie theaters. No. I have not. I have not. So. Um, I thought Eternals, it, as far as movies go, yes, good movie. Enjoyed it. As far as Marvel movies go, average? Yeah, I would say. So I'd say that Marvel movies are generally above, you know, oh, slightly yeah. above average. At least way above average in hero movies. <laughs> um, or DC. It, the, the Eternals is somewhere in the middle of the pack for me, but boy, it did a lot of heavy lifting. They made a choice having 10 main characters. Yeah. Um, but again, decent. Yeah. So no spoilers here. You guys are safe for that. But anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's talk about something that we're really excited to talk about. Truman, this is your first time on the show, so you get to pick. Do you want to go first, second, or third to talk about whatever it is you're super excited about. I'll go second. You will go second. <laughs> yes. All right. Chris, would you like to go first or third? Because um, last time you were on, you talked about something that very quickly became obsolete. It's not completely obsolete. It's changed. Wabajack. It's still a thing, but things have happened that have made people angry. Well, well then they're probably doing something right. Okay. <laughs> Um, you want to you lead off or you want to back clean up? I'll let you lead off. It's your show. All right. So I got a couple of things that I could choose from. We're going to talk about something that is recently graced my YouTube feed. Hmm. And because I've got a, a bunch of shows that Connie and I watch together. And so I'm like, oh, I can't watch this now. I can't watch that uh, because I got to wait for her to see it. And so I saw this thing. It had this cat and and... Godzilla. So I was like, okay, fine, let's watch this. And what they did was they took King Kong out of King Kong versus Godzilla and they replaced it with a cat. (laughs) And so this cat is on top of the boat when it's being pulled from place to place. And then Godzilla shows up to, to fight with it. And the cat has this vicious battle scene, a big fluffy black cat with Godzilla. 
<laughs> and so Al Kitty is the YouTube channel that I'm talking about, and you will find the links to that in the show notes, I'm hoping. And what uh, Al Kitty is doing is going through a bunch of movies like Indiana Jones uh, or whatever and replacing things in those shorts with their cat. So what you see is Harrison Ford, the Indiana Jones thing, going in to do the idol swap and they switch to where he's grabbing the idol and instead of the idol, the cat is lying there. And instead of picking up the idol, he just gives the cat scratches. <laughs> and it is hilarious. But anyway, so I know that I've talked at length about many other things on the show previously. But this time, I think I've got to go and say that um, pretty, pretty entertained by if you're just looking for a really short thing. It feels like it would have been perfect for sort of the, uh, I don't know, what was the one where it was... Uh, uh, like a quibby, right? It's like 15 seconds mm -hmm. of content. You watch it, you go along. It, it was a, a video thing that lasted for like a hot minute. Mm. Yeah. You know, but it's, it is very entertaining. Go and check out this thing and you will see this cat, this owl kitty doing, doing very surprisingly well done. You could get some horrible, bad things done, uh, with cats on the internet. You know, we've seen poorly made things, but, but these are pretty neat. So go there, laugh at owl kitty. And, and see, do you have any questions? I mean, it's not really that kind of thing. But <laughs> no. no. Truman can't believe this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have him on the show. So I have a big wrap-up topic for us because he's very excited about a particular science fiction I IP that he didn't pick at his topic that we're going to talk about at the end of the series or at the end of the show. But uh, we'll get back to that. All right, so oh, now really? I know that this is tough. I don't know how you think you can do it. But can you follow up? Al Kitty Truman with something entertaining or exciting. Well, it's, it's entertaining and it's exciting to me. Well, that's it. Uh, that's all that matters, right? I know that uh, my thing is Formula One, and I know that's been a, a topic on the show before. Right. So I won't get into too much detail, but just for those that don't know, Formula One is considered to be the pinnacle of motorsport. Because you turn left and right. Yes, <laughs> yes. And um, they go really fast. They break really fast. Um, the uh, it, It's maybe one of the only uh, racing series that, that literally is international. They, they have raced on basically every continent except Antarctica. That's right. I was going to ask that question. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they haven't gotten that far yet. But um, with global warming, though, who knows? You know, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I think two weeks ago, I attended my first Formula One race in, Ooh. in Austin, Texas. Um, shout out to Austin. Shout out to Slab Barbecue. Um, <laughs> uh, shout out. Shout out to uh, Whataburger and the Avocado Burger. And, oh, so you uh, got you got to go to Whataburger. Yes. Yes. That's uh, an experience, right? That is like the greasiest burger on earth, isn't it? It is. But it is, I think, worth all of the cholesterol. <laughs> and the, Such an <laughs> onion filled burger. Yeah. So. yeah. I always ask for no onions. But but anyway. Yeah. So yeah. attended my first F1 race in Austin, Texas. Um was a really great experience. It's not not the best way to to watch a Formula One race if you're just there for the race because you sit right. in one spot and the cars basically zoom by every two minutes or so. I think Circuit of the Americas is the name of that track, and I believe it's almost four miles long. So it's it, you kind of have to find ways to entertain yourself between the the split second that the cars zoom by. But right, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, did that. It was a great experience. It was un uncharacteristically hot in <laughs> Texas for this time of year. It was about about around 90 degrees every day that I was there. So, uh, and I did not take any uh, sunblock with me. So that that was a thing. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just. I'm really glad that I got to attend this year, even though my guy didn't win. Um, oh, wait a minute. I thought I thought that the Formula One was a team sport. Does one guy win or does a so, team win? So in Formula One, there's there's two championships. There's the driver's championship and there's the constructor's championship. Um, it's not uncommon for the 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 team whose driver won the world championship not to win the world championship and vice versa. Right, because um, team players are not necessarily, you know, the, the person who goes out for themselves is not necessarily going to be the best team player. Right, right. Which yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this is one of the the most exciting seasons in F one in recent years. Um, Ooh, what's what's made it so exciting? The the fact that there's there's a real championship battle going on for the drivers' title, um, which. Generally, for the past, uh, let's see, going back to about 2014, so what's that, seven years? Generally, for the past seven years or so, the uh, Mercedes-AMG F1 team has pretty much swept the Constructors' Championship up to this point. And their top driver, Lewis Hamilton, who's uh, actually tied with Michael Schumacher for the most Drivers' Championship He's won every championship since 2014, except for that one time in 2016 when his teammate Nico Rosberg got super lucky when Lewis had some really bad uh, uh, reliability issues with his car and mm-hmm. and he just had some bad luck. So, but yeah, more or less, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton have pretty much dominated Formula One for the past seven years. Now there's a young Dutchman named Max Verstappen who's um, he's on the charge and he's he's a star and um, you know he entered Formula One I believe he drove in his first Formula One race at age 17 if I'm not mistaken uh-huh. and um, he he's just this is his year it seems he uh, and he he and Lewis are really going at it and it's looking like it the battle could go down to the very last race of the season. Uh, it's, just, it's just too close to tell right now. So now is this a friendly rivalry or is it more like a college football team rivalry? <laughs> I'd say it's somewhere in between there. The, we're talking about the drivers. Yes. The two drivers out of the car, they are very friendly with each other. They they give each other fist bumps and high fives outside of the car. This, all right, all right sit down and do interviews together and say very nice things about each other. But in the car, particularly the, this season, they've um, uh, both have had some pretty critical things to say about each other on the track. So it's, it's been more, more, more Max than Lewis. But, uh, but if anyone listening follows F1, then you probably heard the... The little comment that Max made about Lewis um, at that uh, Circuit of the Americas when he, I think he might have pushed him wide or he overtook during qualifying or practice. I can't remember which one it was, but yeah. he had some very, 
I don't know if this is a family friendly podcast, so I won't more or less. I won't repeat what he said, but <laughs> oh. it was not you'd probably have to put an explicit tag on, Bad words. on the on the podcast. So yeah. Mm. Huh. So uh you mentioned your folks didn't win or or your guy didn't win? Yeah. Who are, who is your team and who is your preferred driver? So I'm I'm not really a team guy, but I guess by default if you have a favorite driver, then you kinda root for that team too. Lewis Hamilton is my current favorite driver uh, all right. my all-time favorite is a guy named um ayrton senna he uh he died in 1994 in a actually a racing accident um he's widely considered to be one of the greatest of all time he's a brazilian um uh, Brazilian hero, you know, did a did a lot of great things for the country. And were you even alive in 1994? <laughs> yes, I was. I was not following Formula One at the time. <laughs> I would I would have been only about five years old when he died, I think. But um, I, I actually became a fan of Senna. Uh, it was in the early the early days of when Netflix first went digital. Yeah, and they didn't have a very a very big catalog so you just kind of had to watch what was there and um one of the things that i just broke down and watched one night was this documentary named senna about ayrton senna and um i just absolutely fell in love with formula one from that point on and started following the sport i guess it's been about 11 years now at this point Mm -hmm. but um yeah i'm pretty much i I don't want to brag maybe a (laughs) A bit of a nerd for anything that happened in Formula One from about 1984 up until now. I think I could name every world champion between 1984 and 2020 if if I had to. But um, yeah, that that's my huh. thing. I oh, love that's exciting. Love some Formula One. So, what one event you know in the last 30 years do you wish you'd been there to see? Um, boy, in the last 30 years. Or any time. Yeah. We'll let you pick from all of Formula One history. What's the one thing you wish you'd been able to see? Hmm. I would say the, um, maybe the 1989 Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka Uh was, is related to uh, Senna. It's, um, I mean... Basically, uh, was it, was it 89? No, wait a minute. We're fully edited. So okay. Take, take a moment. 89. I'd be, have my phone out by now. Yeah. I'm going to say it was 89. It might've been 1990, but it was the Japanese so Grand 1989 Prix. 1989 or 1990. Yeah. Uh, Senna and Prost, who was, uh, Alain Prost, a Frenchman who was his teammate at the time at McLaren. They, um, they basically had a coming together at turn one at the Japanese Grand Prix, and it it sealed the championship. And 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 uh, it was eighty nine. Yeah, it was eighty nine because Prost is that nineteen eighty nine champion, and he sealed that championship after he had a crash with Ayrton Senna. And um, Senna felt very wronged. And the very next year, at in nineteen ninety, at the nineteen ninety Japanese Grand Prix, he intentionally took out. Uh, Alain Prost uh, to to win the championship for himself. Senna did. Was he was he fined or anything for? He well, he was very nearly disqualified from the world championship from from that for that year. Huh. But uh, some backroom politicking and things of that nature, he pretty much got a slap on the wrist and 
and he was allowed to keep the championship. But yeah, I'd say 89 and 90 just to to have um, been able to attend the Japanese Grand Prix of those years would have been pretty cool pretty if, if I wasn't an infant at the time. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I meant in your current state. Yeah. But so, all right, well, what is the one thing that makes you go, is worth going to uh, to the live race when you don't even get to see most of it live? That Why is it? Why is that so attractive and, and, and interesting to you? Is it, is it just the pageantry or, or what drags you in? The pageantry is nice. Um, personally, I, I just love I love seeing the cars up close. The oh, yeah. you know the technology in Formula One is just insane, and um, you see these cars on TV and you don't really appreciate how huge they are until I mean just just the rear tires on these cars are. I, I mean, I can't even put it into words how huge these things are, and you know for these these big vehicles uh to be moving at these speeds and slowing down at these speeds going through turns at the speeds that they do is is just you know i just love i love all of it the technology i guess nice okay well cool that's that's pretty exciting (laughs) Uh, i i mean i don't like watching any sport on television pretty much but if a friend says i've got tickets to a hockey game I mean, there's, I would go maybe right, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that. It's like, I like the in-person pageantry. So that's, that's neat. All right. So we're going to abandon our formula one <laughs> and uh, we're going to head over to Chris and say, Chris, what is the thing that you are super excited about sharing with our listeners today? So I'm going back to YouTube. Hooray. Um, because recently what I've gotten into, um, is kind of YouTube web shows, right? Which are cartoon animation shows mm-hmm. with no set schedule. They come out every an episode comes out once every few months. Um, that basically don't have a network to say no. You can't say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Eric's gonna love this. Episode. <laughs> uh, the show I wanted to talk about is called Hell of a Boss. Oh, okay, all right. Which um, it's spelled H E L L U V A. Okay, boss. Um, it, which is a show about uh, three imps and a hellhound um, who uh, their job is yep. uh, when people come to hell with unfinished business in the mortal realm, mm-hmm. um, they go there and kill the person for them for money. So they need money. I, they keep saying money and yet it's never actually shown up. But people do claim to pay them money. Huh. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it's done in the animation style of I'd say like Owl House, uh, oh. very similar level of animation and like style, um, but I mean as you can judge from the name and the plot, um, a lot more adults on the jokes. Yes. Uh, it's seven episodes, technically eight. Uh, there is a pilot which was more of a trailer and is ignorable. Right. And not really at the quality of the rest of it. Uh, they release their episodes. They say once every once every in a while. month to three. <laughs> yeah, um, but it is a lot of fun. Um, not super child friendly, <laughs> but it is YouTube safe, so you're not going to see anything too egregious. Um, okay. But I mean, it's it goes over plots such as the uh, the first episode is the family murder plot where. Uh, they're paid to kill a family, um, and they go like over the do. morality of that. Uh, turns out humans are 
much less nice people than we make it out to be. Um, <laughs> I, I have no response for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it, again, it's the kind of show where it's made like a Cartoon Network cartoon, but it's definitely for an older generation. Right. Um, there's quite a few of those popping up on YouTube recently. Hmm. It's, I guess, like startups that basically, this is something a network would never pick up because so many reasons um but, but they get away with it on youtube and they make money off of it i guess it's weird though because you know netflix might right because they did love death and robots uh, and, uh, and several other things that, and they've, they've done several questionable other well shows. a lot of these shows try to uh, get contracts with stuff like that mm-hmm. um and either they're not quite favorable enough or they just don't want to um depending on who you ask but uh those, they realize they can't meet the production schedule. Or who knows? Yeah. But, I mean, it is a lot of fun. I would recommend it to anyone who kind of likes um, Owl House-style animations, but with a more adult comedy murder plot theme to it. Right. What um, was this called again? Hell of a Boss. Hell of a Boss. Oh, okay. I don't... As your boss... <laughs> no. Not, not <laughs> well, all right. So... We had a couple short things and a, and a nice little dive into Formula One. I think, however, that it's time to talk about, uh, I guess, the fandom that Truman is most known for, mm. uh, because I'm pretty sure that all of us have watched some Star Trek. <laughs> yes. And and Truman is the biggest Star Trek fan, uh, with the possible exception of my brother. Okay. Uh, that I know. And, well, okay, that's a complete lie. I know people who have gone on to actually work on Star Trek, but... Um, no, not worth name dropping. All right. Uh, so Truman, let's, let's let you expound upon what is your favorite of the Star Trek series is, uh, deep space nine, Star Trek, deep space nine with the next generation being a very close second. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And, uh, so is it because of the lead? Is it because of the ensemble cast? Is it because of the arc of the stories? But uh, where, why would you put Deep Space Nine right up front? Because there's a lot of reasons to like yeah. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it's kind of hard to put my finger on what it is. Um, I, I will say that Deep Space Nine had, in probably television, the first villain that I legitimately hated the villain character, not the mm-hmm. actress, mm-hmm. Um, that I absolutely was like, I want that character to die hard and ugly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. Um, uh, was it James Avery? Yes, James. Avery. Yeah, James or, Avery. Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks. That's right. James yeah. Avery was Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, I think. I don't know, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, he he did a, a, a you know wonderful job as um, as um, Captain Benjamin Sisko on Deep Space Nine, and you know brought brought a lot of things to the role. I think that we hadn't seen in Captains before. Um, Without going too far down yeah. down the rabbit holes i mean it was obvious that that he had his his responsibilities but family was such a huge important yes. thing to him and he was juggling his responsibilities as a starfleet officer yes as well as his responsibility to the bajorans as a culture mm-hmm. and, and as a place that he was trying to not be too colonizationally yeah so forth so yeah i, I like that I, I think deep space nine is probably my favorite as well though i do really like um, the more recent ones that were on Paramount. I haven't, I think, seen the latest season of of those. Uh, but Chris, what, what's your favorite uh, of all the Star Treks? Uh, the problem is, 
Geese? I don't know. <laughs> um, has it so, been so long since you watched them? It has been a while since I watched them, but I always remember when I watched them, I would just binge watch if I could get my hands on them. Mm. And so I couldn't tell you uh, what you know, series specifically had watched. Right. I just know that I've watched quite a lot of varying ones. Okay, well then who's uh, your favorite captain? And Cisco counts as a captain. Eventually. Again, <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> and I don't know the names. You've got to have I a mean, favorite flavor of captain. Uh, he he did Cisco just to back. He did a, a, at some point eventually get promoted to but, captain. Yeah, you know. but from the beginning of the show, he counts right. as a captain. Right, 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 I mean, right. he's mm. he's equally has that authority of them, but he just doesn't have a ship. So right, right. Not until he gets the Defiant do they make him a captain. Yes. Um, but um, hmm. I mean, so it's been so long that the problem is they all blend together. I couldn't tell you mm. the well, part except for the newest, which was. Was there was Picard Discovery and there was Discovery. Or, yeah, yeah, the newer series. Uh, that's the only one that I could actually differentiate yeah. in my mind as its own individual series yeah. because it has been so long yeah. since I watched and the rest. You, yeah. you could be forgiven for that because I think literally from 1987 when The Next Generation debuted to like the early aughts when, um, what was it? Um, Voyager. No, not Voyager. Um, Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise. When, and when Enterprise got canceled... There was like a, you know, however many year period of time that there was never not Star Trek on TV. So uh, they literally did blend in. They would overlap. Right. For I mean, like, it's. Yeah. Two or three seasons at a time. I get flagged for this. Almost like Doctor Who. It's just a, it is separate, <laughs> but it's just this continuous back to back to back. Yeah. Well, except for it's, it's even worse than you think because um, DS9 started. It, it never. There was never a time where it was alone. Because right. It it ha- started during the Enterprise or during uh, the Next Generation, Next Generation, yeah. and Voyager came on as soon as Next Generation ended. So it was always fighting with other series. Yeah, right. Uh, and so it really was that mix because you brought over a bunch of characters from Next Generation, and I mm-hmm. think that all the characters that they brought over from Next Gen to DS Nine were much better characters in Deep Space Nine than they ever had a chance to be when they were on the Enterprise. Yes, right. yes. I, I became a much bigger fan of Worf when he came to Deep Space Nine than I was mm-hmm. at any point during the next generation. And, um, and the same is true for O'Brien. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but I would say that in the first season of Enterprise, or no, of, of Next Generation, is as bad as any series of Star Trek ever made. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Or any season of Star Trek ever made. But it sets up so much stuff for the rest of it. So you're like, oh, do I dare not watch season one if I'm going to do a full rewatch? Hmm. Like, oh, you know, you're asking for about 18 hours of nothing but pain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I will say part of the reason I have such trouble thinking about it, because I'm not, I'm in the youngest in the room. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> yes. So um, by the time I started watching, you know, it wasn't necessarily airing on television as a new thing anymore. It was, right. uh, the uh, next generation was, Started airing my freshman year of college. Yeah, so I wasn't born when, <laughs> oh, <laughs> when it, uh, I feel so old. So a lot of mine comes from, uh, well, I mean, maybe some DVR stuff, but you know, right? Yeah, uh, a lot yeah. of streaming. So, what what are the themes? Why is it that uh, Star Trek connects to either one of you? I, I keep pointing at, at Truman since <laughs> I, I decided to do this because he was here, but. Um, so what are the themes about Star Trek that sort of communicate with you? Well, I think, um, 
I think one of the one one of the things that like initially struck me was just that they they basically live in this you know ideal future where you know as excuse me at least as far as the federation is concerned right. there's no poverty there's no homelessness there's not a scarcity economy right right money's not a thing really you mm-hmm. know it's it's just i don't know that that's what sort of initially struck a chord with me right i guess for me i'm always been technology nerd and that kind of thing loved it since always and so Star Trek and really, I guess, Star Trek and Stargate were the only sci-fi options, the long-running sci-fi options, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's where I got the resonation from because there wasn't really any other thing you could really get into. Maybe some stuff, but those were the two, like, At least for television. Big ones, yeah. yes. I mean, Star Wars at that point was all all movies. All right, the time, I mean, television yeah. series. There were obviously movies and stuff, but those were kind of the things that if you wanted to be part of that style of fandom, that's what you got. Well, and you could look at a lot of the stuff that happened in Star Trek and go, ooh, I want a holodeck. That is mm-hmm. true. Yes. not beyond <laughs> yes. the realm of possibility. Yeah. I yes. mean, it is today. Right. But so were communicators when, you know, Kirk first whipped his out and flipped open the lid. So, but. Yeah, you know, the only thing they got wrong there is we don't flip them anymore. Right. <laughs> right. But we did for a while, and that was all because of Star Trek. <laughs> I, I would say, ask a question though. Did what is your least favorite series? I mean, you don't have a favorite, Chris, but do you have one where you go that that was my least favorite? Honestly, for me, it kind of has to do with quality more than anything. And uh-huh. you go far enough back, and you start seeing the faults of, I guess, just time. And so I have a hard time watching the earlier stuff where the animation and such is rougher, where the sets aren't. Mm-hmm. as grandose maybe the stories are good but that kind of stuff just pulls me so much out of it especially compared to your other options today right. that it makes it harder for me to watch yeah there's a I, I can't remember like what season in particular during the next generation but it's like you can see there's like a cutoff point where you can see where they started dumping more money into the budget mm-hmm. for the sets and stuff season like three. that yeah yeah right. which is probably coincidentally when the the show itself kind of came into its own and, yeah. and yeah. got better. Um, my my least favorite series. Yeah. Were you done, Chris? Yeah, okay. good. Easily Voyager. <laughs> um, and it's and the it, shame of that. Is, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, even because I like the Enterprise because it's got Bakula and the dog, but that's a different issue. Um, is is because they had the setup was so amazing. They're like we are going to bring in these characters, going to do this thing. And then they wimped out on a whole lot of stuff. But yeah. what, why is it? Why is it your least favorite? It um, it has nothing to do with like like any particular cast member or anything like that. It's just the the I don't know for some reason I just find the stories, the storylines, and some of the episodes just absolutely boring and painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Just like I literally, if I ever did want to punish myself and rewatch Voyager. On like Netflix, I, I would probably have to go through and like cherry pick. There may be five or six episodes per season that that I could bring myself to right. endure. Okay, mm-hmm. well, in the in the nature of the fortnightly, we tend to talk about the stuff that we really like. Right? We don't <laughs> we try not to bag on stuff too much. Um, 
and and we do all love Star Trek. And I would have to say that that there are some shining bright spots in the Voyager seasons. Now, I thought that the whole they had some great characters, but then they watered them down so much that you didn't get the real introspection because, like, oh, you have the Marquis and you have the Federation who are on opposite sides, and they get thrown together, and they don't have a good arc of of oh we're really breaking in to each other and figure out how each other works um even the leader of the maquis ship is not tough and chakotay looks like such an amazing character and the actor is so skilled but it felt like that the producers or the director sort of watered down his role so much that he was more of a yes man but the doctor episodes with the hot your emergency yeah. medical hologram which yeah. is something that has endured through Star Trek and has appeared in other franchises, that kind of thing has appeared in other <laughs> franchises that has you know, become such a mainstay of the art um, that uh, you know, some, of the, some of the other characters who were in there were pretty darned cool. It's like this is the first time you know, after, uh, uh, after Spock where you got a neat Vulcan that you go, oh, we got, yeah. a, we got a Vulcan. This is really cool. And, and Tuvok did such a great job at yeah. sort of carrying that, uh, carrying that and being the pure Vulcan instead of the half Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. And so there was, there was just so much in it that was really good, but it felt like they were leaning back on next gen and, and it was kind of boring. And the whole idea that they were being chased by this one alien race because they had access to water mm-hmm. <laughs> where that is not a rare element. Right. <laughs> you know, you can make H2O pretty theoretically, yeah. you know, right. thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there are some places and yeah, at least five episodes I think are pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the whole we- Wolf three five nine incident and and the Borg arc, even though I hate the Borg as a bad guy, yeah, uh, was was really pretty cool. Um, so yeah. Now uh, let's talk about Enterprise a little bit with Scott Bakula. Do you like that? Did you hate it? I liked it. I, I wish that it. Uh, I wish it had had the um, opportunity to get a full run like you know many of the other series i think it only went four seasons um and i I believe that that final season when they got canceled it was starting to feel like it was starting to come into its own and and kind of get fleshed out so that was that was a pity i can't remember what network it was on at the time but i think that was part of the issue too where it was the first Star Trek series in a long time that wasn't syndicated. Uh-huh. It was on a particular network. And once they sort of washed their hands of it, that was it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I was having pretty good feelings about Enterprise, you know, towards the end. Wish I got a chance to get a few more seasons. I think one of the things that handicapped it was the tech in it had to be downgraded from the first season from yeah from star trek yeah mm-hmm. and the original series and so it felt weird when you're like we've got computers that can do better than this already yeah. or we've already got yeah. you know some some tech that can approach the kind of stuff that they're trying to do there or that it makes no sense that they can't do but i yeah i think it probably would have been better if they'd have done a series of short seasons instead of trying to fill out you know, a full 12 I to mean, 24 episode season. They could have always just taken the discovery route and just said, well, who cares if the technology slightly better? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The thing about discovery is that we can't tell you what the thing about discovery is, or it'll be spoilery. Mm. Oh, but yes, yes, correct. I know. But I mean, 
I'm aware. But yeah, yeah I mean, they could have taken that route just from a mm-hmm. television perspective because that does really pull you out if you're like, you've gone backwards. Yeah. Doesn't feel as fresh or new. Yeah, but then if you go, oh, wait, we had the eugenics wars, maybe we would have gone backwards a little bit. They could have leaned heavier into some of that other stuff. But uh, but by and large, um, yeah, I liked I liked it more than most people. I think a lot of fans put that one, Enterprise, at their least favorite. Mm. Um, and so, all right. Well, I have not watched the new animated one that they've done, and, and I haven't watched Below Decks, and, which is also animated. And I'm, I'm back a couple of seasons of the other stuff, but I really want to get it. So I may actually update my subscription to that service so I can see all that. Are there any new Star Trek movies in the future, or are they sticking to TV? I don't think so. Um, not I'm not I'm, aware of an announcement yeah, or anything. Like the last, even rumblings I heard about any potential movies involved, like things had come to a standstill because there was some disputes with the cast over contracts and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. oh that reminds me i'd completely blocked out of my mind the jj abrams movies yeah that's what (laughs) i was referring to which are complete atrocities (laughs) should be plowed under the earth and never heard from again Hmm. oh they're so bad Mm -hmm. okay the last one wasn't horrible the first two were truly awful was the last one con no no that was the second no that was the The last last one one was was the um planet stranding with the Nanite with the robots. mutagenic person, yeah, yeah. kind of okay, thing. Okay, yeah. Which, it, it, it was weird, it was different, but it had some really good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, watching the first Star... Uh, the first time I saw J.J. Abrams' first Star Trek movie, I loved it, and then I watched the second time, and I was like, he must think we're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> All the way across the board, so... Um, but that's a different show, I think. Mm. Um, what would you like to see... As, as since they're doing so many different Star Treks right now, what would be your pitch for a new Star Trek series? That's a great question. Mm, wow. <laughs> I mean, honestly, what I would like to see is them kind of pick up where they started with this exploration of new worlds and all that, right? Uh-huh. But put the new technology and the new what we can do today on it and see where you go with it, right? Right. Kind of go back to the original, but with today's level of special effects Ooh. and script writing and acting, and just do it better. Because, I mean, television has gotten to a much higher quality nowadays, mm-hmm. and I yeah, think sorry. the plot itself, I mean, the plot, the concept itself is strong enough to carry you through a, with the right writers, a whole series. How about yourself, Truman? Yeah. Because um, I've got a big concept. Th- this will mm. never happen. But <laughs> I, I just always, I was always disappointed that Deep Space Nine never got a shot at the big screen like the next generation did. I mean, obviously, at this point, you know, the show's been off the air for well over, what, 20 some odd years and everybody's... Actors are dying. Yes. <laughs> going insane. Yeah, so it'll, ne- yeah. It'll, it'll never happen. But, but even maybe like a to revisit, you know, that, that Deep Space Nine era maybe in animated form somehow might might be nice. Um, but, hey, again, I, I don't think that'll ever happen. But. Well, with animated stuff, yeah, they yeah. can do, do, do some gold with that. Yeah. I would like for them to revisit the space station concept sort of from, uh, you know, Deep Space Nine, except for have the 
station workers just be the background characters, mm. but instead focus on the people working out of that station. So it's like, oh, you've got a couple of plots, and maybe it's a six-episode series with this crew who's trying to mine this place over there, and, and they encounter a weird alien, and they have to deal with whatever's going on with that. Then you've got another group where, hey, this is an arc of diplomatic stuff, and so you've got Romulans and Klingons mm-hmm. and Ferengi all on the station, and you have to deal with them not just as a one thing and not as a huge series, like 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. But instead you say, we're going to commission like eight, six episode arcs on this station. The people who are the staff and the commanders for the station are going to be in all of them, but they're not going to be the main characters necessarily of any of the arcs. Mm. And then that way you sort of have the, the Federation as the backdrop, though we're trying to keep everything from spinning out of control and going crazy mm-hmm. You know, but maybe a few episodes you'll get, hey, they're the Marines who are really important to what's going on inside the station at this point. So that when you see them later in the series or another series, you're like, oh, I know those guys. They're great. Hmm. Um, and then it all makes sense because it's all happening from this one local area, even though it's sort of patrolling this larger second of space. Unlike, say, the latest Star Wars stuff, which uh, the Bad Batch, which has been was pretty good, but you kept meeting people from all over the galaxy that kept shrinking the galaxy in. And instead mm-hmm. I want to see sort of this little region of space being developed more fully. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it could have to do with something like the Bajoran crisis or, but on a different, with a different race elsewhere where it all has to go around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought the cool things that we got from deep space nine were the Bajorans, the Cardassians, the wormhole aliens, all those big picture sort of things that have infected this stuff. And so that's, that's kind of what I'd like to see is, a setting that they're going to use for some long time, but then they do a lot of short run series in it. And I think that could be fun. So, I like that idea. But anyway, so that's it. We've been talking for about 45 minutes now, give or take. Uh, we've told all of our f- listeners and friends about stuff that we're excited about. So once again, I talked about, was it Al Kitty? I've got to even look it back up. <laughs> I'm not online anymore. So yes, I think it was Al Kitty. Yes. And, uh, and Truman, you talked about, Formula One. Right. And I talked about Hell of a Boss. And then we ruminated for far too long over the glory <laughs> that is Star Trek. Uh, go watch yourself some Star Trek. Go watch yourself some Hell of a Boss, some Formula One, and some Al Kitty. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Once again, I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Chris Bell. I'm Truman Wins. And thank you for listening. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.